Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Jerusalem Unplugged, the only podcast dedicated to Jerusalem, its history, and its people. Your host, Roberto Matza, will bring you guests discussing their relationship with the Holy City, a journey through history, society, feelings, and hopes for the future. Follow the podcast on all social media platforms at Jerusalem Unplugged. Welcome to Jerusalem Unplugged, the podcast dedicated to Jerusalem, its people, and its history. I'm your host, Roberto Mazza, and today my guest is Chef Ezra Kedem. This podcast is part of a series dedicated to food in Jerusalem and Jerusalemite food. Chef Ezra Kerem was born in Jerusalem from a family of Iraqi origins. And as a child, he loved to go around the old city of Jerusalem, Bethlehem and Ramallah with his mother. And that is where he learned the culinary art, for which he has become very famous for. After studying abroad for a few years, between 1995 and 2014, Chef Kerem owned and managed a restaurant in the heart of Jerusalem, Arcadia. Arcadia had become an institution for the culinary culture of Jerusalem. And in fact, Chef Ezra Kerem has been considered one of the fathers of a new emerging Jerusalemite cuisine that brings together a melting pot of different cuisines, tastes, flavors, and ingredients. Yet, as we will discover throughout the podcast, everything has to come out of Jerusalem. Chef Kedem, thank you for being with us and welcome. Thank you very much for hosting me. The only question I ask to all of my guests, and it's the same one, is what is your Jerusalem? In other words, what is your connection with a city? Actually... I can say, and I can answer in, uh, let's say, one word, is that Jerusalem is a big, big soul. It's soul, it's neshama, as we say in Hebrew. And uh, this soul uh, contains 
so many things that, uh, as I say always, you should say thank you that you were born to myself, you were born in Jerusalem, to be in this amazing big soul for good and for the bad. Wow, I never thought about uh, Jerusalem being a, a soul, but I guess it can be. It is. It's the light of our nation and it's the heritage of our food starts from Jerusalem and uh, our people uh, went to the diaspora from Jerusalem and uh, they took from Jerusalem so many things and uh, after so many years um, they came back and we came back and now we can see something amazing and now I'm taking it to my, and I cannot say it uh, profession, but uh, it's beyond uh, being a cook and a chef and uh, to establish uh, something uh, international in Jerusalem. I always say uh, that uh, we should be grateful as the sons of Jerusalem to be from Jerusalem, first of all. Um, Jerusalem is very important to everybody. And when you take this amazing uh, uh, portfolio uh, mixture, uh, I mean, like, uh, this is the real melting pot of the world. I mean, all the smells and all the colors start for our heritage it starts from here. And what the beauty is that people from all over the world, from all kinds of religious are here and everybody brought something unique to this amazing city that I admit that she's suffering so from sometimes some time to time, from some time to time, but uh, she's, always stronger than anything and she i was she was here before i was born and i'm sure that she would exist after i would live so i did my um uh, choose and uh, to be here and from here to go to all over the world and bring the taste the heart the sounds, the smells. More than that, I was privileged to see people in Jerusalem that arrived to Jerusalem. And I'm sure that if I was cooking uh, in another place, I'm not so sure that I would meet them because first they arrived to Jerusalem and then they heard about something that I cooked nice, so they arrived to see me. Uh, so I really, you know, uh, say thank you every day that, you know, it's amazing that uh, everything is in front of me and I can uh, search and uh, dig and uh, check the anthropologue uh, people to see and to hear. You know, I can tell you that... Uh, 
Right now we are talking from Enkarem. And Enkarem is a very, very important place for everybody. And especially in Christianity, the Mother Maria uh, met Johanan the Baptist in, uh, in our village and all kinds of Christianity exists here. So uh, you can see till now traces of uh, ancient agriculture and ancient terrace and an amazing uh, biblical uh, landscape. Uh, now I'm talking with you and really 12 o'clock, I can see the tomb of uh, Samuel the prophet. I always said if it's Samuel, Aleph or Bet, but this is Samuel the prophet. Uh, and it's full with history and real history. And uh, when you, when I decided to create food in this area, I knew that I'm, I need to check the history, but as I succeeded since 95 with food to bring it alive and uh, to use uh, all the smells, all the vegetables, all the wild vegetables and everything that surrounds Jerusalem and uh, in the end of the day uh, give a wonderful taste, a wonderful palate and a lot, a lot, a lot of comfort food in Jerusalem. Like, I'm sure, uh, you know, the places in the south uh, of Italy that, you know, uh, you have uh, um, those kind of places that you can enter for uh, macaroni with fagioli and uh, you, you can eat and you can nurse yourself. And uh, one of the things that uh, when I welcoming my guests in Ensarim in my studio, is giving them Jerusalem espresso, but it's not Jerusalem espresso, it's lentil soup, red lentil soup, that we greet them in the beginning, because in Jerusalem, when somebody would like to speak with you, like in Italy, somebody is telling you, can I see you for cafe or something? So let's go to drink uh, lentil soup, Boniste Marakadashim. So uh, I believe that, uh, you know, a good friend from Spain told me that few years ago in Anatolia, that in each lentil, in each one, there is a soul. And uh, as the Pope said, and I quote, that you can always put water to the, le to the, uh, to the pot with the beans and feed more people. And uh, this is all about Jerusalem. It's about, and then I'm talking about Jerusalem in my eyes and what I saw when I do the doors in the neighborhood, the doors were open. Like you can arrive from school as a student, young student, and if your mother is not at home, you can go to the neighbors and they will feed you. This is Jerusalem for me. And that's what I'm trying to preserve in my uh, art, in my work. Um, I can almost uh, 30 years of researching uh, the food and uh, 30 years of uh, more than 100 journeys to the south of Italy and uh, Sicily and 
Calabria and the southeast of Turkey and try to create something that uh, will, as the mayor of Jerusalem told me, you know, we should put you the ambassador of the food of Jerusalem. Yes, I think that this is my um, my duty, first of all, to to take it all over the world, especially to Italy, especially to France, and to show a different face of Jerusalem and Israel, of course. As I've succeeded uh, 30 years to create uh, an Israeli cuisine, of course, other chefs were there in the beginning, but uh, I admit that 25 years ago, I took uh, my menus and I wrote Mizbach Israeli, Israeli cuisine, because I believe that if you cook on your house or when you're born in your country and you use a chance to present local ingredients and uh, so you cook the place and you cook the flavors. So that's, you know, many, many people ask, what is it Israeli cuisine? What is it Israeli cuisine? That with Israeli cuisine is the state of Israel. Israeli cuisine is like in Jerusalem. Sweet, sour, hot, atbani, jumpy, uh, but something, the mixture of Jerusalem gives the opportunity in cuisine to create amazing things. You have, everybody's here. Last week I received a uh, a uh, visit from, uh, actually from Rome, and uh, people uh, are coming uh, to Jerusalem. And I admit that I've succeeded to uh, create uh, something that reflects uh, Jerusalem, and especially Jerusalem, and it's wonderful. It gives, you, gives me a lot of power with what I do. Chef. <coughs> You talked about uh, this idea of people arriving into Jerusalem. And um, I've been digging around. I know your grandfather came from what nowadays we call Kuwait, which was part of the Ottoman Empire back at the beginning of the 20th century. And I also know that uh, they settled down uh, in what nowadays we call uh, East Jerusalem, more, more, more specifically in Sheikh Jarrah, in the area oh. that is known as uh, Shimona Tzedek. Exactly. Can you tell us a little bit how the connection with Iraq, with that period of time, helped you to develop this idea of, uh, you know, your cuisine and this idea of a Jerusalem that brings all of these flavors and smells together? You know, when you realize that... Um... First of all, my family was expelled. I mean, they ran away from there in '48. So we were uh, refugees in our city during the '48 war. So not only Muslim people became refugees. So this is nice in Mechaot, yeah. But um, the family of my father is a great family. I mean, uh, I mean, they gave one of their sons that was killed 100 meters from the house in Shimona Tzadik in 48. 
he was uh, killed in uh, this battle or massacre to the, the convoy to Haaretz of him. He was a soldier in the Haganah that in 48, the Haganah became the IDF. And uh, the fact that we are, uh, um, how do you say it in English, Mishpacha Shakula, a family that lost uh, a soldier, uh, and to see my father every year uh, during the Memorial Day for the soldiers, this is the only time that I saw my father uh, um, crying for two or three minutes and then said, yeah, Ezra, let's go. I believe that uh, my grandfather, Shaul, arrived in a purpose to stay here because uh, I don't think that there was a prosperity in that time. Uh, his, uh, his name is Bekel, and uh, Bekel in Kuwait, those are merchandise. So he brought his uh, money and everything, and he couldn't find uh, any job. So like they stayed there, stayed there, and when the money ran out, they started to grow uh, chickens to sell eggs, and they became uh, from a very very uh, wealthy family in Kuwait. They became very poor people, but they were proud. And that's the essence. Um, my father succeeded to create in 10, 10 fingers um, an establishment in, the, in a neighborhood called Rehavia in Jerusalem in the 50s. He opened the barber shop. And uh, in the 50s, if you're going to open a barber shop in Rehavia, which is a neighborhood full with people that what we call Ashkenazi people came from Eastern Europe. They speak German, they speak Yiddish. So he spoke Yiddish and he spoke German, my father. And he spoke Arabic of Jerusalem and he spoke Arabic of Iraq and he spoke a little bit English. And uh, because he opened his shop in a neighborhood that the food was. Uh, Eastern Jewish food. So uh, my mom on a Friday evening in Shabbat dinner, you know, like uh, Lazio is playing against Roma or Milan is playing uh, against uh, Inter. So half of the table was completely Ashkenazi food and half of the, the table was Sephardic, Iraqi and other places. And as a small child, I understood that this problem of us, the Jewish people, that you know we can we have many, many problems between Sephardics and Ashkenazis, can be dissolved uh, completely because we eat the food of each other. So if you eat the, the, the food of the other people, so you can live with him. And of course, if you can eat the food of our neighbors, the Arabs from Jerusalem, because there's, there's, this is also their city. And if you can eat Italian food when you go to Italy and Italian, so food is a language. And I remember 
from the grandmother house of the mother of my uh, father, Aziza, God bless his soul. When a child was hungry, they gave a piece of bread with olive oil and zatar before if you are hungry. And that's it. And that reflects everything, you know. Zatar is um, is um, Hebrew name is Ezop. The sons of Israel, when they left Egypt, they took Ezop and they put it in the blood and they marked the door with Zatar. So all this um, discussions and hate between people about uh, we took and they took and uh, the homos belong to this one and to that one is is not an issue because I refer uh, food as a language uh, good friends Arabs, Muslims, Arabs, Christians and Jewish and I believe that Jerusalem is international, Jerusalem is not Israel with all the respect that uh, um, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, but Jerusalem, first of all, is Jerusalem. And when people will understand that, it will be much more easier to live together. So what I took from uh, the family is a lot of roots, you know, I'm here, my heritage, my, my, my roots, it's more than 100 years. It's, uh, it's wonderful, you know. Always when I was talking with people in Italy, in Highland, they said, yeah, we are we wanted 100 years. Now I realize that, you know, yes, Taban. Also us, you know, we are from here. And uh, what I took from the family is that I'm not thinking about to go anywhere. I can go to Milan and present uh, Jerusalem cuisine for identity Golose. I can go to Monte Carlo, I can go there, I can go there. But I'm not forget one thing that I was born here and this is this is my house. And it's wonderful. You know, I can tell you <laughs> when I was a soldier in the in the army and I served in a paratrooper unit, so you see the house maybe one to five, something like that, one to six weeks, 48 hours, when the bus was arriving to uh, uh, Jerusalem, I used to open the window, you know, that's the old window, not, uh, and breathe the air of Jerusalem, and I was relieved because the, the air is, is amazing in Jerusalem. And also, Many, many people agree with me. The light in Jerusalem is amazing. The light, and it's quite similar to Rome. It's, you know, that's the reason I'm 56. And the first time for me to be in Rome was I was 15 and a half, so many years ago. And I feel uh, when I'm arriving to Rome, I feel very pleasant because Rome and Jerusalem, the light, in the city and with the sun and everything is something uh, with, as I said, with soul, with uh, a lot of history and thousands of history. So, you know, and I'm 
serious here that who I am, you know, I know, I don't know how many years uh, God will give me, but when I'm here, my duty is to cook Jerusalem. And uh, the, my family helped me with many things, but mainly uh, as I saw how you take the wisdom of Jewish cuisine and you translate it to local language and you use the ingredients. And for me, olive oil is runs in my blood since I am a baby and uh, Zata and many, many things. So, you know, I can only take it, present it in some, some around the sea, uh, after the sea, but after three days, and I'm talking seriously, I need to come back to Jerusalem, really. I understand the feeling. Sometimes I miss my own country. My, more than my country, I really miss my own town where I grew up with the comfort food that you were talking about earlier, uh, which in my case is rather different. Um, and yes, I understand that. You know, I've been away for a long time now, but I always long for that moment I'm going home. And I know that I'm going to that bakery and I'm going to buy... Uh, what we call erbazzone, which is some sort of a spinach cake, which is very, very traditional and localized in my area. And then I know I'm home. I know that that's my comfort food, my comfort zone. I want to ask you something, but in order to do that, I need to read uh, a short passage from a diary of a, a local Jerusalemite. His name was Wasif Juaria. He was an Arab Christian. He lived at uh, the beginning of the 20th century. He was a nude player, so he was a musician. Um, the power of his diary is that he talks about a Jerusalem that we don't hear often. He talks about parties. He talks about communities coming together. He talks about people mingling. And there is one passage that is fascinating. And I wonder if you ever heard about the story that I'm going to, uh, to read that in a second. Soli says, there are two caves in the quarter of Sheikh Jarrah in Jerusalem, near the lands of Abu Jubna, which Jews believe to be, to be the graves of Shimon at Zedek. I think Jews visited these graves twice a year, spending day under the olive trees. Most of them were Eastern Arab Jews, who observe the Eastern traditions, the country's Arab tradition in particular. Everyone spent entire days singing songs. The Christians and Muslim Arabs of Jerusalem celebrated with the Jews and families went along to take part in what is known to the Arabs as the Judea festival. That part of the mountain was therefore crowded all the way down to the valley with locals, ambulance sellers. And so my brothers and I never wasted an opportunity to be among them. And these were known as the, the Ayuda picnics. I wonder if you ever heard these stories from maybe your grandfather or your, your, you know, your family. No, I just can't tell you that uh, the, the sister of my father used to go there for religious, purpose from time to time. Like they used to say, I'm going to Shimona Sadiq. 
maybe there was a, like a fiesta or hilula. I, I that that I'm I remember, but because my father never wanted to go back to this area, he's like um, he ran away from this area because this area for him was a tragic tragedy. So. I understand. I, I, I just thought it was fascinating, as uh, you mentioned, the origin of your family. I mean, moving from Iraq into uh, uh, Shadika Simon, and really Broadly. this Jerusalem together, you know, this painted by this Arab Christian and, you know, this idea of uh, coming, really celebrating together, which nowadays I, is rather difficult to think about. I can support it with, with the story that is true. And, uh, you know, it's my father. My father was, how do you say, fed by a Muslim neighbor that uh, gave him milk because his mom couldn't, uh, didn't have enough milk. And that was acceptable that in the village that there is women that they do that, you know. So actually my father was fed from a Muslim woman uh, milk. So I believe that if the babies nursed milk from uh, Muslim women and they were Jewish, but probably the neighbors were eating together good food. I, I can tell you. I, I think that this story support, can support the relations between people uh, because people want to live together. You know, as a young man in Jerusalem, 13, 14, we were... Um, our place to you know to go outside and to have a party was next to the the walls in uh, Musrara. There were there uh, places that you can sit and you can eat the watermelon and you can hear the music and everything. So uh, and you can have a sachlab and you can buy the begale uh, and um, it was fascinating and. People were together, and I know many, many people from this part that used to come to to the till now, till now, to the west part and uh, live together. So, um, what what you mentioned or what you read to us is completely my uh, wish. You don't have to agree, you don't have to love, but you can respect the table. And if you sit next to the table, you can talk and you can say thank you very much for the food and maybe we see each other. And that's the beginning of to build the bridge. And food is connecting uh, between people. Food is bringing people together and it's wonderful, wonderful. We are going to take a short break. Please remember to join our Facebook page, as well as our Twitter and Instagram accounts. The success of this podcast is thanks to you. You that enjoy, share and subscribe. Please make sure to spread the news about Jerusalem Unplugged. Feel free to get in touch. And if you have any story you want to share with me, if you have any guests you want me to interview, please feel free to message me. Enjoy the rest of the podcast.
I want to ask about your mother. In several interviews that I read, you mentioned going with your mother through the markets of the old city in Ramallah, Bethlehem, Bejala, which by the way is one of my favorite places. Mm-hmm. I-, I was wondering how did these trips with your mother connect you with the Jerusalem and its cuisine and how that influenced your, your path to become a chef? First of all, you know, I'm talking more from Encare, which is, I was privileged that uh, the Catholic Benedictine Church uh, allowed me to create my project. So, uh, so I mean, this, uh, they accepted me because I decided to reflect everybody in my work. The journeys for Bethlehem and for Bejala and for Ramallah, and of course to the old city, and all the meetings with the uh, ladies, the farmers, they call the Palachio that used to arrive to our neighborhood, because you need to understand, I was born in the German colony, which like, it's 10 minutes, 12 minutes from the old city, walking, something like that. So all the Palachios, all the people used to arrive and bring uh, food, to the neighborhood and people used to sell the food and you feel completely, I mean, you can go downstairs to the German colony, take a taxi and arrive to Ramana. And I was privileged that um, below our neighbor in the first floor, Abu Elias, which is an Arab Christian uh, Orthodox. For me, he was my grandfather because when I was born, both of them were, weren't alive. So, for, actually, Abu Elias, God bless his soul, he is my grandma, grandfather. I mean, you know, we mean you have a grandfather figure and uh, you can be with him. So, I've learned from him so many things. Uh, just, you know, in my house, that till now I live in my house, and the lemon tree that uh, he planted is still there, and the smells are there and uh, I've succeeded to learn so much from the market that almost I can tell you that when I was a student in New York uh, uh, I was imagining to myself Arcadia I didn't know it would would be Arcadia but my place in Jerusalem and I go to the farmers in Bethlehem, in Bejala in Mahniuda and everywhere and uh, collect. And then I started to, uh, because when you go to the market, especially the Jala and the Flechem, you see what is the wild things that the farmers bring, you know, the Zatar and Fubeza and the green garlic and the spinach and everything which is wild and the Fubeza and everything. Since childhood, I developed uh, my dream, actually my dream. And then uh, is uh, more and more to be. I'm I'm going to collect because all my childhood I played in fields that I was collecting the mustard and the spinach and the uh, wild artichokes that now I cook them and uh, I give lectures to uh, people that coming to see me about the wild, the Judea artichoke, the Tarchofela Judea, which is in Rome, in the Jewish uh, ghetto, 
this restaurant that they, you know they they fry the the artichokes and it's called Chofer Judea. And of course, because this prototype arrived from here, and uh, the fact that I knew that there is a lot of Jewish history, Muslim history, and of course Christian history helped me a lot to create my language. You know, I have cooks from Bethlehem, I have cooks from Bejala, uh, I have cooks from uh, from uh, other places, I have cooks from Basel uh, Amud. And uh, for me, uh, as someone that uh, knew the white cheese, the jibne, all his life, that one of my cooks arrived last week because they have a house in Jericho. And he said, uh, his name is Bashar. He said, chef, this is for you. That this is a very special uh, white cheese that uh, Bedouin is doing in the desert. So enjoy. So take this piece of desert put olive oil, put uh, azov or zata, eat wonderful bread, and you're a happy man. You don't need more than that. And I'm happy for that. I agree. Sometimes the simplest, uh, just the better in, in general. Yeah. I have a question about food. I want to move talking about um, specific issues. Um, several previous guests of the podcast, some from Jerusalem, some born abroad but connected to the city, mentioned a number of times their memories about uh, stuffed food. For them, yeah. you know, in their memory, there is this idea of uh, veggie stuffed. You know, I remember one woman mentioned like every, everything is stuffed in Jerusalem. So I was wondering <laughs> if you share, you know, what, what is your view about this element of uh, Jerusalem cuisine? Is that unique to Jerusalem? How do you relate to it? Um, of course, of course, because, um, you know, uh, people arrive from uh, all over the world to Jerusalem and especially the Jewish people that come from the Arab countries and, uh, our neighbors, uh, the Palestinians and, uh, Jerusalem contains, uh, First of all, Jerusalem is the capital of the Kube, which is this uh, stuffed, uh, I mean, uh, burgol uh, with, with the meat, and they cook it uh, with the soup, and uh, cook it uh, deep fried. But uh, the vegetables, stuffed vegetables, so first of all, the stuffed uh, vine leaves, which is acceptable uh, for everybody, and uh, everybody is doing his version. And uh, there is so many unique things to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, uh, you can eat uh, stuffed uh, turnip and stuffed carrot with tamar hindi sauce, which is wonderful, wonderful. And uh, you can have stuffed uh, pepper, Hungarian style, in uh, with rice, and you can have stuffed pepper. Uh, Bulgarian style, <laughs> it's amazing, it's amazing, it's endless, but uh, there is uh, in Jerusalem cuisine, in the Sephardic, uh, Jewish Sephardic, a lot of stuff things, and uh, it comes from uh, one fact that um, 
and I take you to Spain, and uh, Spain during the Inquisition, you know, Jews were, were not allowed to cook their food, and were forced to start uh, to cook pork and uh, other things, but in the windows of the uh, houses they used to put the uh, jamon or the prosciutto, you know, the ham, hang, but inside in the courtyard they started to cook uh, the, 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 the food that uh, in the end of the day it goes to uh, Jerusalem and there is something in Jerusalem that's called uh, uh, cooking in courtyards like in Nachlaot area in all the area, you see that most of the houses have lemon tree, I don't know if you observed, but most of the people, the, the old towns of Jerusalem, they have lemon tree. And uh, um, of course, people sat together inside and they became a habit to cook together. And when you are living a, in a quarter, so all the ladies, they cook together. And what they do, they sit together and they take uh, zucchini and they empty that. So they make machshi of um, zucchini and they make uh, makshi of uh, makshi which means stuffed uh, uh, zucchini and stuffed uh, potato and stuffed uh, uh, we have only also you know what they call it musaka in Jerusalem which is like two pieces of uh, milanzane with meat with tomato sauce they call it musaka so but it's also stuffed so maybe because the people of Jerusalem are so stuffed and they are stubborn and they are, uh, I mean, I, and I'm talking about the genuine Jerusalem people. Uh, there is a lot of, um, how do you say, um, people, they deal with food. People used to deal with food, used to speak, to go to buy the correct uh, aubergine. And if it comes from Jericho or if it comes from there, and this is the season for this one, and there was also uh, famous stuffed uh, leaves that called uh, El San, the tongue, but this is the sage of Jerusalem, which is very big leaves, makes a wonderful, wonderful stuff with rice and, uh, and meat, uh, which is amazing. And you can see that, you know, um, a pot with stuffed grape leaves that uh, comes from uh, the neighborhoods of the east part of Jerusalem, like the Arabic cuisine, always will have uh, lamb and potato or something. Like, uh, the, the, the difference when the Jewish make it, or we make it at home, so it's vegetarian, it's without meat. And it's wonderful because you can eat it with yogurt and other things. So this is very similar, and maybe it sounds for you Saloniki, and uh, Greece, and yes, uh, of course. I mean, the uh, food that you had in Saloniki was Saloniki was a Jewish town, and uh, you had 21 synagogues or so, 21 places that people arrived, and people arrived and brought the food. But in the beginning, it starts from Jerusalem, ancient, ancient. So I'm sure that also. And I know that, you know, and I read about 
ancient things. And of course, the Ottoman Empire helped uh, uh, to, 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 to bring other things, but uh, there is completely the, the food of Jerusalem that divided to tribes is amazing. I mean, like, uh, I know many, many Muslim people that the, our, their fetish is to go to eat in Mea Sharim, the, the Ashkenazi food. So, so it's, it's amazing. And what you told about the vegetables, I mean, you, Memulaim, stuffed vegetables, exist, exist everywhere. I mean, on, you can eat it a few times a week. Yeah, it's there. In version, so it's I agree with you. It's a completely something that's unique to Jerusalem, and of course, other places in the world. Yeah, stuffed food is not uh, <clears throat> probably my favorite, but uh, whenever I'm around, I I was like force myself to try different things. I I guess as a an Italian uh, from the north of Italy, I'm I'm used to very different kind of uh, tastes. But as you said earlier. Like in your family, you had to split the table between an Ashkenazi and an Iraqi food. Uh, here at home, I have to split between Italian and Iraqi food. So in time, I'm getting to know and learn that language. Uh, in that sense, I totally agree with you. Food is a language. And uh, uh, I know I mean, that the, the moment I learned more about uh, my wife's food, even our communication got a lot better. And, and the same is true, vice versa. When she learned about uh, my way of cooking and my food, then a lot of things made more sense. Yeah. I wanted to ask you something about, uh, as we approach you know, the end of the interview, if you were to visit uh, my hometown, Reggio Emilia in the north of Italy, I would have a menu to offer you. And I know exactly what you would eat as antipasti, as a first, course as a second and also as a dessert i was wondering if you if you were to prepare a meal for me in jerusalem reflecting the history the character the people of jerusalem what that menu would look like i'm sure that uh, i will serve for you flat bread and uh, olive oil and zaatar in the beginning and subak. Just, you know, to put your uh, the bread and salt. I will serve you a glass of water before. Um, and then uh, I believe that I will give you to, stay, to taste the Jerusalem espresso, which is the lentil soup. And I'm sure that uh, I will create for you salad from the land that uh, all the herbs and uh, all the good things that uh, comes from the wilderness and what uh, I grow, which is typical vegetables, that you will fill the terra. And I believe that I would serve uh, a wonderful stew that we call it the stew of Judea, which is uh, a combination of uh, loof or lua in Arabic, which is leaves green leaves uh, that it comes, you know, you can pick it. I'm blessed because I have it here, so I pick. And I've learned from one of my aunts the ancient technique uh, to, to deal with that because it's a little bit uh, toxic. 
and we use two kinds of uh, sorrel and uh, we use our green garlic and we create something that we call it uh, with the olive oil like that's the gold of Judea. I mean, you eat it and you understand with, with a lot of lemon and you eat this too and you feel the terrain. And uh, of course, you know, uh, because uh, I'm well known for my fish and, uh, you know, the, that we have a sea in Jerusalem. <laughs> but uh, to bless you, I will cook for you fish, maybe with the sauce the family of my mother, maybe Trilia with Pignoli and uh, uh, Wova and, uh, you know, with the pine nuts and the raisins and the sugar and the vinegar. And um, I will try to leave you good taste that you will come back to Jerusalem. Well, inshallah, one day soon when uh, in a post-COVID world we will be able to travel. That sounds a delicious menu. Thank you. One last question. I want to go back full circle, going back uh, from where we started, where you talked about Jerusalem as a soul, you talked about smells. And I don't know if you ever watched the famous cartoon uh, Ratatouille. Of course. In Ratatouille, you have this character, Anton Ego, the food critic. Wow. Tough man, you know, very yeah. judgmental. And at some point, he's sitting at this restaurant, and the chef, who happened to be a mouse, is yeah. serving him with Ratatouille. Now, Ratatouille seems to be a simple dish, but the effect is that it's such a good dish that brings back the memory you know, of his childhood. And so Antonigo is like shocked that such a simple food is so warm and comforting. So I was wondering if you could smell your family kitchen when you were a child, what would you smell? What would you bring back to you that memories? First of all is the smell of the gasoline that we used to cook, slow cooking, you know, uh, so, and uh, you smell and you start to be hungry about a dish that maybe you will meet it tomorrow after 12 hours. So the uh, uh, slow cooking brings wonderful smells. So of course, um, I smell uh, lemon, a lot of lemon because I was blessed by my grandmother, uh, the mother of uh, my mom, that uh, she had uh, like a small garden, but with everything. So I learned from her a lot about the power of the lemon. I mean, just imagine that you, you're talking about the smell. So I give you a scene with my grand, uh, my, my grandmother. Nona, yes, uh, in uh, my childhood, uh, when she asked me what I would like to eat, and I said vegetable salad, so he said, you go to the garden to, cook, to pick the lemon from the tree. And of course, you know, I went to the first lemon that, you know, so she, she was a very tall woman, 
you know, very, very tall. And uh, she's from Baghdad. And uh, she said, and I will say it in Arabic, and then I want to say, she said, yeah, not my son. You should go into the middle of the tree and bring the one from the middle. Now, all the way, you touch the leaves of the lemon, so you start to understand what is it living. And on the way, I mean, you stop from uh, from the tree because the lemon tree has like, uh, you know, sharp uh, needles, so a little blood. And then you pick the lemon and you have the citric uh, or the atheric uh, oil and you smell the lemon. And then you enter to the kitchen with your grandmother. And even though, you know, my grandmother was very poor, so she didn't have olive oil. But it's okay, it's acceptable, because in Iraq, I don't think they use olive oil. And you eat the salad, and uh, you, you, you feel the soul. You see that somebody created for you uh, an amazing... Uh, smell and taste that, you know, when I went to my uh, the other part of the family, the same salad is with olive oil, so the olive oil, the lemon juice, and the liquid of the vegetables, the fresh ones, that you are always once you are looking for the piece of bread to dip it, um, with everything that the smells of the mustard and the smells of the citrus and the smells of the blossom of, of uh, the lemons. Um, it's, for me, it's all about food. I mean, this is my my glasses. <laughs> so um, a lot of good smells from the past, and especially the the, the, the best the best ingredient is uh, I took from uh, uh, the grandmother of my mom, I mean, the mother of my mother, especially for my mom, is to use this amazing skill to lead people for a good purpose, to cook, as my cook, and to create happiness for a few hours to people. And this is a black. So I think God and I think Jerusalem. This was Chef Ezra Kedem, founder of a famous restaurant in Jerusalem, Arcadia, and now continuing this project in another location in the hills surrounding the city of Jerusalem. Thank you, Chef. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And remember, enjoy, share, subscribe. Until the next podcast, once again, thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.